Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We're in Romans chapter 3, verses 27 through 31, and we're discussing the nature of saving faith. Don't think you know it because you've heard about it or agree with its notion. Think again and again, because your nature to prove yourself worthy is at odds with this lesson of faith. So let's go back to the classroom together. The legalist of Jesus' day had identified the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament and then discovered 613 further commandments within the Old Testament extended out from them. After this, they posited multiple subcategories of right behavior in order to faithfully apply those commands. Following all this, they hoped to become right with God. It was a doomed strategy from the start. God is perfectly holy, and God demands perfect righteousness in order to stand in His presence. The law will never bring you there. The righteousness we need will have to come to us as a gift given by God to those who will believingly receive his provision. So we come to God like this. We've tried the law, we've tried the pathway, we've tried to prove ourselves, we've tried to acquire it. We have this instinct that's very human in us to say, at the end of all things, I did it, I made it, I gained it, I acquired it, I earned it, I attained this right status before God. We come to the law and say, I'll do this. I'll figure out what the Ten Commandments are. I'll figure out what the 619 Commandments are. I'll delve into this to find out what the subcategories are. I'll get this. We'll study it. We'll develop our traditions. We'll work at it. And we'll prove that we can do it. And we can't. We fail. Just go back to the Ten. Just understand those and the nature of those. You can't do it. You can't measure up to God. You can't be like Him. You can't earn your way into His presence by your good deeds. It won't reveal your abilities. It will expose your inabilities. Failing, you'll come before God when you come before the law the right way and you'll say something like this to God. God, I can't come to you by way of this law. It only shows me how sinful I am and how far I fall short of your own glory. God responds to you and says something like this. Well then, let's start with a different command. Let's go about this from a different approach. Trust me to save you. Believe in the salvation and the righteousness that I alone will bring to you through my son, Jesus Christ. Don't believe in yourself to measure up in any way. Put all your faith in me. Respond to me now as a savior and a redeemer. That's what he's calling us to. That's the command of faith. And you know, there are those who take this command of faith into salvation and they even want to turn this command of faith and believing in God and believing in salvation as some kind of robust, active thing that we assert and we accomplish so that we can feel somewhat good about it. It's some great capacity that a person develops and expresses in their life that they're a believer and follower of Jesus. The words that God uses to express an individual who is submitting to this command and responding to this command of faith are words of resignation they're not words of great force and when individuals begin to comprehend and understand what the life of faith is when they truly understand this life of entering into saving faith of trusting in God's provision they don't use robust powerful strong words of accomplishment when they speak about obeying this 
command to believe or have faith in Jesus. Instead, their words are words of resignation. So the Scriptures calls it like receiving. To as many as received Him and believed on His name. It's just receiving. It calls it like entering into His rest. It's coming weary and heavy burdened. Right? We yield. We cling. We surrender. We accept. We put it all down on the Lord Jesus and we trust entirely in Him alone. And there is nothing in this expressing the accomplishments that we make for ourselves in doing something. Instead here, there's the accomplishment that God has provided for us and that we desperately need. And with empty hands, we simply reach out and take. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That's the first point. That's in verse 28. Now go back to verse 27. Let's make another observation here. The second observation we're going to make here is that the principle of faith, which justifies the one who believes, is nothing to boast about. Kind of hinted at, at that. The principle of faith, that's the basis on which we receive the salvation God gives us and we are made right with God and our sins are forgiven and taken away and God's righteous judgment against us is removed and propitiated. We take that by faith and... It's nothing to boast about. Faith, saving faith, is nothing to boast about. Here's what it says. Where is boasting then? It is excluded, Paul writes. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith, he says. We can understand here, by the way, the word law that you're reading there to mean by what principle? Is it the principle of working out your salvation, doing good works, or is it the principle of this responding to God's call to faith. Another way of understanding this word law here, and I think this applies just as well, is to understand that the law means demand. Basically, any principle is something of a demand that's placed upon us. And so the law here means by what demand? The demand of works or the demand of faith? What he's saying here is that, you know, if an individual could, by following all the moral laws, and they could accomplish them and keep them completely. And as a result, they could enter righteously into the presence of God and be received by Him. That would be something to boast about. If you could take all those laws, those laws that the heart of the law says, God says, be holy as I am holy. And you can follow that law in such a way that you can stand before God and say, I'm holy like you're holy. If you can follow that law where God says, be perfect as I am perfect. And you can follow all those laws and come to the end of it and say, I'm perfect, like He is perfect. Or you can take that law that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you can say, I've done that. I can stand before you. That would be something to boast about. That would be something that you could put a brag on about, that you were able to do all those things. But you can't. And you won't. I should say this. Anyone who's able to do that is in a praiseworthy position, and we should praise that individual. And let me just say this. We will. And we shall. And we do. Because one has. Jesus Christ has come in every way and fulfilled the law perfectly so that He could come and stand as a man before the Father, as our representative, holy in every way. 
perfect in every way, having loved perfectly and completely the Father, and having loved all perfectly and completely from the Father. He was, He kept in every way the law. Hebrews 4 verse 15 tells of this one who's our high priest, which means our representative before God. He stands in God's presence and says, God, include all of them in me in what I've accomplished and what I've done. And it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. We can make our boast and our glory and our brag, if you will, in the perfections of the one who stands to represent us before God. The Lord Jesus has demonstrated in His life and through the power of His resurrection His perfect, complete righteousness. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 confirms this idea. Speaking of our high priest, listen to these words. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. That's it. Can you boast in that? You can boast in that. You can praise that. You can glory in that one. That one who's accomplished all this on our behalf and now represents us. But that said, there is nothing to boast about in believing in Him. When our eyes are open to see our utter failure to meet the demands of God's holy laws, and when we see our complete brokenness and our sin, and then with an empty hand we reach out to receive by faith the forgiveness and the righteousness that is provided through the Lord Jesus Christ, His suffering for our sins, His rising to represent us. When we come to that moment, well, there's nothing in that that we can boast about. No one who knows anything about saving faith, no one who has received it, clings to it, yields to it, resigns themselves into the finished work of Jesus Christ, has one ounce of pride, one ounce of self-condemnation in that faith. If you do, if you can imagine that you can take pride in what you believe, or that you can take pride in the exercise of your faith to trust in Jesus, or if you are, I'm a Christian, I believe in Christ. If you're taking pride in that faith, I would suggest to you that it's not saving faith that you're taking pride in. I would say instead that what you're doing is you're putting your confidence in some kind of believism. I bought into that slogan. I'm better than everybody. You, you create it as an identity to make you feel superior. And the minute you create it as an identity to make you feel superior, you're not putting your faith in Christ. You're putting your faith in some idea or concept. It's a form of intellectualism. Now, be careful. We want to have a pure and right theology of the truths of God, but if we boil down our theology to some standard and some position in which then we boast that we see these things and understand these things, then our faith is not resting in Christ. Our faith is resting in our own intellectual attainments. What we see that other people don't see. What we've come to know that other people don't know. And oddly enough, we've developed some kind of strange form of Gnosticism. We act it in many ways. And we can miss entirely the whole influence and the whole truth of what saving faith is. When faith is expressed, it throws itself upon the Lord Jesus, recognizing it has nothing in ourselves. 
that sees the law set against us and that we can't meet it in any way, and we can't follow it in any way, and that the only way that we can be saved is coming to a God who's a Redeemer and a Savior and casting ourselves upon Him. There's nothing to boast about in that. We come to the place where we say, I have no other plea and I have no argument that Jesus Christ is dying for me. You know that there's nothing in any of that to credit to yourself in that moment. That we could believe in Him for all that salvation. We understand that we could even have faith in Him for that salvation. We understand to be an undeserved gift from God. God has provided for us a way and an answer by simple faith out of our condemnation. He's rescued us out of our destruction and there's nothing in ourselves to commend in that. We would say more like this, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling, naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul we to the fountain fly, wash us Savior or we die. And there's no boast or brag in that kind of faith. So Paul is simply declaring the obvious. Where is boasting? It's excluded in the law of command of faith. Answering the demands of the moral law, keeping all that, oh, you could boast about that, but you can't because you don't. Answering the demand of faith and the Savior who rescues us from our own condemnation under that law. All boast is put aside. All pride, all boasting is put aside. It may be that this truth is the most offensive notion taught in Christianity. It is a surrender of our own pursuit of self-dignity. We lie down in defeat. We say we have nothing to offer God for our salvation, but more and more sin and failure. And then we take by faith alone what He has come to give us through Jesus Christ, a righteousness by faith apart from works. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministries, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.